Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Thank you very much. Very, very good to see everybody. Well, welcome to Father's Day. As, as we've said, we know that um, Father's Day means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And so I want to share a little bit of my story, my journey with my dad. Uh, but before we do, I would just love for us to pray and uh, just to kick this off and just, uh, yeah, just invite and I'd love for you to join me just to invite the presence of God just to speak to you during this time as well. So let's do that together. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. Your presence is here. Your spirit is here. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We just uh, invite you, Lord, our, our experiences with our own fathers uh, may be mixed. Uh, some may be great. Some may be not so great. Some may be absent. But we do recognize, as we've been singing about, you are the good Father, and that in you we find everything that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, Dad's here. I don't know what you got for Father's Day. Um, you have saw two of my boys speaking, and they do like food and lollies a lot. Uh, so, from my oldest boy, Joe, he went to the school stand, and he bought sour worms because he loves sour worms and he's brought them back and says let's eat these together and uh, Ben got chocolate and he's like let's eat the chocolate I got you it's just for you and me it's not for anyone else and my daughter got me a Father's Day mug from the stall anyone got a growing emerging collection of Father's Day mugs yeah there's a special we have a special place in the cupboard for those and uh, Miranda bought me that and she said here's a Father's Day one so you can stop using mum's Wonder Woman mug <laughs> so that's what that's what he said and uh, so today I'm gonna share I, I want to uh, say a shout out to my dad uh, John happy Father's Day um, and uh, I want to share yeah welcome uh, did another round of chemo this week and God's just been incredibly faithful in terms of um, he's got energy and and no side effects so that's a, a miracle in motion so we'll c continue to pray and we thank God for that report and so uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my story with my dad and I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, with my parents that my parents uh, I've got a, a good relationship with my dad I'd say at the moment I've got a great relationship with dad and it's uh, really really good for us to be working together um, but in some respects, I'm a little bit surprised with that because growing up, we didn't always uh, get on. You may see, we do have a lot of uh, similarities. We both share a terrible sense of humour, um, which I have inherited from him. Um, but growing up, in, particularly in those ch teenage years, he really used to frustrate me. And there's a, there's a scripture in Ephesians that says... Um, Kids are to honour parents and dads don't exasperate your kids. And so we just did that really well in reverse. I didn't honour him and he exasperated me. Uh, and so, um, 
that was part of it. So I'm, I'm a pastor's kid, a missionary kid, and uh, my therapist says that I'm doing okay with that um, <laughs> at our uh, weekly session. But I uh, grew up in a, in a ministry family, so born in regional New South Wales. Mum and dad planted a, a church there, moved to Brisbane for them to study and prepare to go overseas to Thailand as missionaries, then back from Bangkok to Sydney where dad worked as a pastor. And, um, you know, it, during that time, dad, dad worked a lot. Ministry is, it has some challenges and to be available for people as well, that can be quite challenging. And uh, one of the things that I used to remember as well, because of his passion for Jesus, we would go out um, when we'd hang out as a family, go to a restaurant and dad would take those opportunities to share his faith, faith with people. And so he would be always witnessing about, about Jesus. And so it was, I remember that being a lot of effort, a lot of hard work. And then they went to Adelaide from Sydney and I was about 21 and I said, goodbye. I'm getting off the, uh, getting off the train and I'm going to stay in Sydney and, and met Rebecca there and, and we got married. And so we were there. Um, first six years of our marriage, we were volunteer youth pastors at a, a really small church and we started a youth group from scratch um, by going to a park actually and kicking a football. And then just the kids that didn't have anywhere else to go, they would come along and that's how we started off um, our youth group there. And um, so we were there for a while. I was also studied business, was working in uh, sales and marketing. And in our local church, I remember they had a men's connect group that I joined. And we were doing a study um, from a guy named John Eldridge. Who's heard of John Eldridge? So uh, reasonably prominent. And this study was called Wild at Heart. And one of the things Wild at Heart talks about is the wounds that sometimes we carry. And so it was actually, I remember a Sunday afternoon, I remember the room, I was about 29 years old. And as uh, I was sitting there uh, with this group of guys, probably about maybe six or seven other guys, we're talking about this uh, wound and I just started to cry, which is amazing. That's like your bucket list. You just want to start randomly crying in front of a group of other guys, don't you? All the guys, give me an amen. Um, not ideal. Um, and so I had just, in that moment, I recognized and what I felt in that moment was that dad had prioritized ministry over me. That's what I felt in that moment. And it was something that, as it was talking about, it was something that had impacted my heart. It was something that had wounded my heart. And I want to share a little bit about what I did next and what I did later. And it's really important for us as community because we've been talking about family. And family is amazing, but also family is amazingly difficult at times. Amazingly difficult. But I think some of the benefits of where we need to get to as a family and get that deep sense of belonging Sometimes we've got to walk through some things with each other. And that's why I want to share this story on this day. So the first thing that I do, and I remember at that moment, I had a choice. And I always, um, I think just because of who I am and the fact that sometimes I, I, I leap before I look, I'm pretty good at apologizing and I'm pretty good at asking forgiveness. 
And so I've also been good at learning to extend forgiveness. And in that moment, just then and there, I forgave my dad. And so as soon as I recognized that, I forgave him. And I'll talk about that, why I've learned to practice that and why that has become a rhythm of life, because it's one of the healthiest things that you can do. But the next thing, and this I'll talk about this a little bit later, I called him up and I was in Sydney and I arranged a time to come to Brisbane and we went away um, and just hang out together for a weekend. And so we could talk about some of this stuff and some of the story. And I'll tell you why that's really important. We've been talking about an image for this church being the family table and that we grow as we extend the family table. And at its core, it's relationship. And what we want to achieve is a deep sense of belonging. But as I said, it's both amazing and at times amazingly difficult. Like you can have a church experience where you come in, you see people on a Sunday, you give them a high five, you say, how are you going? The other person says, good, no matter what's going on in their life. You grab a coffee and then you walk out the door. And that is a type of church experience, but that's not the type of church that we're building or the sense of belonging in the sense of family that we're going for. We want, not necessarily with everybody, but we want you to have an experience of genuine family where you can grow in such a deeper way and have a depth of relationship. So we've been talking um, about belonging and we've been talking about what stops us belonging. I've called this kind of little series, The Enemies of Belonging. We've looked at spiritual pride is when you compare yourself to others and either exclude others or exclude yourself because of that comparison. The tyranny of busyness, which is a life consumed by activity without relationship with Jesus and without hearing his voice. Last week is uh, questioning your contribution an enemy of belonging. When you question your contribution, you undervalue what God has given you. And as a result, you don't share it with others. And so today is the, the last one. And today I want to talk about an enemy of belonging being an intolerance for failure. An enemy of belonging being an intolerance for failure. We're going to read a scripture together. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Uh, you can uh, read along. If you want, on a device, I'm reading from the New Living Translation and uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Or you can just listen as I read that out. It says this, since God chose you, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to this, make allowance for each other's faults. I want you to remember that. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Easy to say, hard to do. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So let me break this down a little bit. Verse number 12, Paul is saying, since God shows you to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, the word holy means to be set apart. And what he is inviting us to do 
is to be different. He's saying set yourself apart, act different, be different, do different, look different. I want there to be recognizable and tangible differences between yourself and the world around you. And he gives this list, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the things that set us apart as community. Uh, uh, quite a well-known um, preacher and commentator from the last century, William Barclay says this, he says, it's most significant to note that every one of the virtues and graces listed has to do with personal relationships with people. Every one of them. There's no mentions of virtues like efficiency and cleverness, even diligence and industry. It says not that these are not important, but the great basic Christian virtues are the virtues which govern and set the tone of human relationships. Christianity is community. And I think if you want to understand God and if you want to understand the church and if you want to understand community, you need to understand, firstly, that God actually is community. God is love. This is what we call the Trinity. God didn't invent love. He is love, Father, Son, and Spirit. There is this relationship that he invites us into. And so we've got to understand that what it means to be set apart is to do community really well. Sometimes, and most often, particularly, uh, in Paul's writing, he often uses the word family. We're invited to belong to the family of God. So our key task in family will take much effort. It will take mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the other thing he's saying is, like the clothes that you wear, you get a, ch a choice at the beginning of every day what you want to put on. And so he's saying, choose to put on, choose to clothe yourselves with these things. Mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Who's ever done the opposite at the beginning of the day? Started off a little bit frustrated. Me, who said that? Okay. You know, you start, you have a bad start to the day. People just start to annoy you and you put on frustration. You put on anger. You put on snappiness. Life gets to you. But Paul's saying, make a choice to put on these other things. We must be different, look different, and act different. So, from here he goes on to say, there are two things that we must do if we want to stay in great relationship in family and community. Two things we must do. And the first is this. This is a big one, as I said. Easy to say, hard to do. Forgive anyone who, for, who offends you. Really, really challenging, right? If you are close enough to people, it will be inevitable in one way or another that you will get hurt. That's inevitable. No matter how good the person is, no matter how much they love you, if you are close enough to people, they will offend you. Someone will do wrong by you. There's a word association um, with this type of offense and this type of language from Greek literature. And it's this um, image of a one-armed, like a, an engine, like a fighting machine that is throwing projectiles. 
So it's this image of someone is going to be throwing things at you. Someone is going to be giving you a barrage of offense. This is what Paul is talking about here. And the only way that we can really grow as a family is if we overcome hurt with forgiveness. And so this is what I did with my dad. The first thing that I did. Do you guys want me to change this mic? Getting a bit distracting. No? It's good? Okay, I can if you want. It's a bit of a hiss. So forgiveness is the gateway to something good. So why should we forgive? Do you want me to do that? I might do that, guys. Have we got a one here? All right. Just got quiet. Hello. That's a bit better. Way better. But I can still do the other things if you want. If you miss it. Those in favour of the hissing... That's okay. We love that we're still working through. We're a work in progress. Always will be. Always will be. So thank you to the guys that are working so hard. I know that they are going over and above. So, why should we forgive? Now, as I said, theoretically in this room, it's really easy to talk about. But you will get to circumstances where the rubber hits the road. Every one of you, no matter who you are you will have circumstances where people offend you, where people do wrong by you. Rebecca and I, we've been married almost 17 years. I have upset Rebecca. I have said things that have offended her. And we have chosen to... Just one way. Just one way, yeah. We have, she has chosen to forgive me. Have you, have you chosen to forgive me? Okay, put her on the spot. In front of everyone, she can't say no. (laughs) So, we need to forgive. One of the reasons that we need to forgive is because the act of forgiveness is a transmission of grace. When we choose to forgive somebody, we transmit the grace that we have received from Jesus Christ to that other person. That's why Paul says, says here, Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When you forgive, you transmit grace. There is a release of the grace, the deposit of grace within you to other people. In fact, forgiving is based on the root word for grace. And Paul's saying there's an interdependence between forgiving and being forgiveness, being forgiven. Paul is saying that there is an interdependence between forgiving and being forgiven. Okay, so you, he's saying you can't, you can't be forgiven and then not forgive others. He's, he's just saying if you call yourself a Christian, that's, just, that's not part of the deal. And so grace is received to be given again. And you didn't deserve to be forgiven. So the person that you're forgiving, you're not forgiving them because they deserve it. You're forgiving it because you're choosing to extend the grace of Jesus Christ to that person. And it's what, what we're saying is that 
Forgiveness releases a generous impulse within you to forgive others. Now, the uh, author and, um, and theologian N.T. Wright says, First, it's utterly inappropriate for one who knows the joy and release of being forgiven to refuse to share that blessing with another. Second, it's highly presumptuous to refuse to forgive one whom Christ has already forgiven. So the other thing we need to recognize is that Jesus has already forgiven that person. There is forgiveness available to that person and that's why we should do it. Forgiveness and practicing forgiveness makes us vulnerable to grace. It releases grace within us. And uh, one of my favorite commentators, R. Kent Hughes, says this. He says, Paul calls us to be vulnerable to grace in order, listen to this, to achieve newfound intimacy where hostility once existed. So in this process of forgiving, this is where we learn the deepest connections of belonging and the deeper connections of family. And that's why it's so important for us to forgive first, to learn to forgive. And he says, indeed, the measure of divine grace is what John Wesley called social holiness. What does it mean for us to be set apart as a group of people? Not saying that we're better than everyone else, but we just have a different way of being. The other thing, unforgiveness makes you sick. Who's heard the, the saying about uh, drinking, unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Okay, unforgiveness does not do your heart any good. Unforgiveness actually doesn't do your body any good. I caught up with um, a uh, friend from a long time ago. He's one of uh, Brisbane's leading uh, cancer specialists. And um, one of the things that he does just with everybody as part of um, chatting to them, he asks people, he, he's a believer, but he doesn't uh, go about this from an uh, overt Christian faith level. He just says, hey, is there anybody you need to forgive? And he actually sees tangible results and changes in treatment because of that. Now, I know this is hard, but Jesus is the catalyst for it, but he's also the answer. So we say it's hard to forgive, and Jesus says, I forgave everybody. We say, but others have hurt me, and Jesus says, yeah, look at my story. How many people hurt me? He was perfect. We say, I feel misunderstood, and Jesus, like of anyone in the world that's been misunderstood, Jesus is that one. Another question that we ask is, do we have to trust that person again? Well, obviously, we would say in cases of extreme verbal and physical abuse, the answer would be no. But at some level, we have to trust somebody. Otherwise, you'll be all alone in life. Unless you, you, you have to trust somebody in life. You have to make yourself vulnerable to somebody. And there's some things that we can do and, and some things that we can learn to do better. But the first thing that Paul's saying of the things we must do is forgive. Here's a question right now for this moment. You can keep a blank face. But who is the Holy Spirit putting in your mind that you need to forgive? Right now, in this moment. Maybe, maybe you're all good, but maybe someone's name 
comes to mind that may be painful, may be very painful, but there's a grace of that is available to us, a transmission of grace. If you're up for it, again, you can keep blank face. You can just choose to say, God, I forgive them. It's that easy. There's some more things that might need to happen, but it's that easy. That's what I encourage you to do because of Jesus, right? Because of Jesus. Now, the first thing you need to do is forgive. And the second thing is you need to learn to make allowance for others' mistakes. In another translation, verse, uh, first, part, first part of verse 13 says, be tolerant with one another. Be tolerant. Another translation says, make allowances. Be tolerant with one another. Who here has a, a budgeting or a savings method? Okay. We, uh, some of them do. Okay. And with our kids, we've just, uh, we've got them on this. They have pocket money and they have the different, um, one of the savings methods where they have different jars or different buckets where they can put their um, money. So the first one is give. The second one is save. Then we've got spend. So three buckets. All right. So there is a budget. There is an allowance for different occasions. We've heard the term we're saving for a rainy day. But what I want to say is, do you have an allowance? Do you have a budget for people to fail you? Because they inevitably will. And I think sometimes we're surprised when people fail us and we haven't thought about it and we haven't planned for it. We haven't planned our response. We haven't allocated time and capacity for people to fail us. So here's my expectation. I expect that good people will have a bad day. They'll make bad decisions. And that conflict is an unavoidable part of relationships and family. So I'm not surprised by conflict. In fact, one of the, the sayings that I have is conflict doesn't mean that things are wrong. Conflict means that things are changing. So sometimes God uses conflict to help strengthen a relationship. In the case of me and my dad, he brought something to the surface that actually allowed it to be dealt with and allowed us to move forward in our relationship. Some people will frustrate you. Some people will disappoint you. What are you going to do about it? We need to plan to give people a second chance and we need to have skills about resolving conflict. Now, um, I, some of you know, I, I ride mountain bikes and one of the tire brands that I used, um, I bought this new tire and it failed almost instantly. So it was like, uh, I don't know, $60 and the tire just like immediately broke. Then I bought another one, did the same thing. So I called up the supplier and I said, this is my problem, just bought them. And um, they just said, tough, none of, none of our, not our business. And so I essentially made a decision that they were dead to me. <laughs> and I've never used that tire again. Now, you can do that, I think, or maybe you can, or maybe, I don't know. don't know my tire theology. I'll have to check that. I think you can do that with tires. 
But I don't think you can do that with people. I don't think you can cut people off like that because we need to make an allowance. We need to be prepared that people will fail us. We need to be prepared that we will fail others. So we need to learn to take initiative. We need to learn to practice saying sorry, to own our part. It's probably one thing I've learnt in marriage, that you have to own your own part even if you're not responsible for the whole. We have to learn better communication skills. We have to become more self-aware. And we also need to have wisdom in terms of who we talk to about what. Now here's my experience in churches that too many people, as a whole generalization, have a low or no intolerance for the failure of others. Like you've heard the stories about people leaving a church because the pastor didn't say hello to them. You've heard those stories? I don't know if they're true. Maybe it's urban myth. Maybe we should Google that, see if fact check that. But there sometimes in uh, maybe also families and church families, there's all kinds of stories how people have left over really little things. And you've got to be thinking, what if we had a greater margin for each other's failures? Now, I'm not saying that we go and, and be unwise in, in what we do and, and we be cavalier in our relationship. Obviously, we're growing, we're learning, all these kind of skills. But what I'm saying is that as a community, we prepare and we learn about what it is to love one another, to create margin for each other. And this is a big thing that I did with my dad when we caught up. And so we talked about it, we prayed together, I forgave him and uh, he asked for my forgiveness for the part there. But one of the big things is that I just heard a little bit and I became more empathetic to his story and learnt a little bit about more of what was going on in his world. Obviously, being a teenager, um, I was very self-centred um, and I wasn't really considering what was going on for other, other people. And so I just learnt to um, understand about a little bit about what was happening. His dad, some of you may have heard, it's on our YouTube, his story and his dad, with his dad. His dad was a prisoner of war and was in the Second World War. And so as an example of, of parenting, it wasn't a great one that he had. So he has come incredible in just one, one generation in terms of um, fathering. But I began to understand his perspective and I built relational margin and I gave him more empathy. But do you know what happened within me? One of the best things that happened, that was good for our relationship, but one of the best things that happened to me was that I began to remember those experiences and the good times that we had together. So dad used to coach my soccer team and we would play, this is in Bangkok, we would go to the big international school and we would go and, um, and play every, um, every Saturday, excuse me. So that's one of the things, I've, I've got my top three memories um, from my time with dad. So soccer every Saturday, um, ice cream, okay. They're in Thailand, there's this place called Swenson's and they have this thing called an earthquake. 
So I, I thought it was seven scoops, but I Googled it on fr Friday. It's actually eight scoops. So this giant bowl of ice cream. And so for my birthday and special occasions, I would, dad would buy me eight scoops of ice cream with cream and I would eat them all myself. Um, so that may disgust some of you, but that's just one of the great things. I love ice cream. And then we used to go to the movies together. I remember seeing the first Jurassic Park together, breaking ground in terms of CGI and special effects. So I didn't have the benefit of those memories before this process of not just forgiving, but also having more relational margin, understanding, taking time to listen. So here's, here's my question. Maybe I ask you, who do you need to forgive? But I also ask you, who do you need to make more allowance for? Who do you need to add more relational margin to you, to in your life? What's some skills that you need to upskill in that area? Maybe you're amazing at this already. But I think most of us, myself included, we can do better in this area. Here's what I want to say, two, probably about two minutes to go. Two quick things. Our mission as a church and as Christian depends on this. Here's what Jesus says. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. When people see a local church, when people see a community interacting, what do they see? Do they see politics? Do they see infighting? Or do they see a genuine love for people where we can forgive, where we can go above and beyond? And Jesus says, it's your love for one another that will prove. How will people know that we belong to Jesus? How will people know that we belong to the family of God? They will know it because of our love. They will know it because we forgive. We release grace. They will know it because we're gentle and humble and kind and all those characteristics and patient that Paul mentioned. You know, my final point is this. I think most of us in some way or another here, we want to do this. But also we need to recognize that within ourselves, we can't. And it's this daily process, like picking a wardrobe for the day, that we need to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. So in the morning, God, I'm choosing at the beginning of this day, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to put on gentleness, to put on humility, to put on patience and kindness. We could think about the fruit of the Spirit. We could put on self-control. And in some respects, like a kid, I've still got one that needs help getting changed. We need Father's help at the beginning of every day to help us make the right choices at the beginning of the day. And this is every single one of us, every single day. Do you know life with Jesus is not 
uh, an immunization. It's not a it's not a once-off shot that kind of just like okay we make a decision and then we're good. No, it's a relationship, and so relationship means that we have this daily connection, and we learn to live and love in the power of God. Let's pray together, huh? First of all, I just I want to pray for some people, and I don't want to underestimate. The fact that some people in this place may have had some really bad things happen to them and people may have let them down in like massive ways I don't want to minimize that but I do want to pray for you and just allow that release of the grace of God because that's what forgiveness will do it will release grace within you and then you need to give that out to others and so, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we pray for a release of grace. Lord, those that are hurting, those that have been let down. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, in some way or another, we've all been hurt. We've all been left down, let down. Your grace and your love. Lord, I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord, that those that have been prompted to forgive, Lord, Lord, we pray that those people, Lord, that I would take that important step, that bold and courageous step just to release grace and forgiveness. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we say and pray for us as a community that we would be set apart by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. We'd be known as people who go beyond, who have forgive others, who have relational margin, who have budgeted for others to let them down. Not in a cavalier way, but just in a way that we know that we are growing together into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I want to shout out to all the dads today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your dads. We've got some pre-dads, Matt and Brock, and they are... Uh, their little ones are on the way, so we want to shout out to them. Uh, next week is our, our launch, and so next week we're going to be opening up these doors, and we're going to be going um, full room so we can fit some more people in. Uh, we're going to have the stage up at that end. I'd love, um, you know, if you call this your home, I'd love for you to jump in and help out in some way. We're going to need all hands on deck. We've got some visitors and, and some people that are coming. And also come early just to hang out with people, have some free coffee as well. Uh, really appreciate you guys. I want you to know that I value each and every person here and uh, honour you for who you are and what God's got in your life. Have a great afternoon. God bless.
Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.